Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. Twice a week, I bring you really cool interviews with entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who are doing interesting things in their career with the intent of providing some inspiration for people who want to do more with their entrepreneurial life. Now, some of these people already have businesses. Some of these have ideas for businesses and others Hey, they have a job. They just want to be more entrepreneurial in their entire lifestyle. So today it's just me and I'm going to talk to you about my experience recently where I have actually gone four times and done open mic night. Now, this might be something that you've done before and you're like, hey, whatever. I don't understand why you're talking about this on your podcast. Some of you might be like, no way. That would scare the pants off of me. You got to tell me about the experience. Either way, I have actually learned some things in the last few weeks that actually have me kind of inspired and excited about the fact that I went and actually tried my hand at doing stand-up. Now, before I tell you any of this, Jerry Seinfeld is not worried about job security because I went to a few open mics. So I'm not trying to change my career. I'm not planning to put any of my stand-up jokes into my keynotes and my Master of Ceremonies routine. But at the same time, I think I'm starting to learn some things that will make me a better speaker. I think it will make me relate and understand the audience a little bit more. And it will curb a little bit more of that fear that naturally comes when you get up in front of an audience. Because people always ask, oh, you know, you did such a great job with that keynote. How do you not get nervous when you get on stage? Well, you know what? Everybody gets nervous when they get on stage, but you want to know what's more nerve wracking than giving a speech at a, at a corporate event? Yeah, it's getting up at a comedy club or in a coffee house and doing open mic night. So the way this came about was a couple months ago, I was at the uh, National Speakers Association Winter Conference and I was hanging out with my friend Drew and I was going to be in New York where he lives. And Drew's background is he's a professional improv and stand up comedy performer and he also teaches uh, humor in the workplace and he's a fantastic speaker who's willing to take some risks that I don't think the average one of us will do. I saw him give a presentation where it was like a small one-man play and it was awesome. His content was great, his delivery was wonderful and it was such a unique performance that you know it intrigued me very much and it comes down from the fact that he has done this performing. So anyway, I was telling him I was going to be in New York and he said, oh, when are you going to be there? And he was going to be home at that point. And he said, oh, you know, I'll take you to open mic night. Now, I assumed that because he's a comic that he goes to open mic night to try out new materials. And my reply was, oh, that'd be fun to watch you do open mic. And he said, no, I'm talking about taking you to open mic night. It's something that Drew has done for several of his friends. He just pushes them a little bit if they have any desire to go and do a a comedy routine. And he gave them a little guidance. He said, why don't we just go do it? And my immediate reaction was no. Because I'll tell you what, it kind of frightened me to try and do it. And he asked me a question. He said, have you ever wanted to do comedy? Have you ever had that thing like, oh, I'd love to get up there and do a five-minute set? 
And I had to be honest with them because back when I was 25 years old, I really wanted to go do that. Now, I don't think I wanted to be a professional comic, but I wanted to go and do open mic night. And I used to go to comedy shows with a friend of mine and he said to me, well, if you want to do it, Tom, just do it. And I told that friend over and over, oh, that'd be so cool. And that friend always pushed me a little bit and I was too scared. I didn't know how to do it. I was nervous that I'd go into a situation where everybody would be really funny and I would bomb and maybe I would be embarrassed. But in this situation, when Drew was talking about taking me, I I realized that one of the things I talk to people about here on this podcast and in my Paradox of Potential workshop and in other coaching things that I do is I talk to people about just trying new things. Because when you try new things, you have no idea what's going to come out of it. In fact, my whole Paradox of Potential presentation that's now a growing part of my business, it actually grew out of the fact that two years ago, I spent a lot of time trying to write a one-man show. Now, this one-man show never really saw the light of day, but in the course of writing it, it showed me a lot about how a lot of people have trouble with reaching their potential. And the story was about things in my life, but as I shared it with people, everybody kind of nodded their head. They understood, and it grew into my new keynote and my new presentation that if I hadn't tried to write the one-man show, I never would have had this new product. And it came because I was willing to try new things. So that's something I teach others to do. And I was pushing back when Drew said, let's go to an open mic night when you're in New York. Plus, let's face it, for a guy who's never taken a stage to do stand-up, to do it in New York City somehow seemed overwhelming. But my friend Drew made it feel, I don't know, safe, that he would make it all right. So I agreed to do it. And we met in New York, 6.30 on a Saturday night at a little comedy club down in the basement underneath a restaurant. And I had prepared a five-minute set. I had shared it with Drew. He'd punched it up a little bit with me. And then they drew my name out of a hat. And I got up there, and I had five minutes. At the end of five minutes, the host was going to come kick me out at the stage. And I did it. And people, people laughed. Now, here's the thing. It wasn't like it was the greatest five-minute set anyone has ever done. However, it was the first time I'd ever stood up to do such a thing, and I wasn't the worst person in the room, and the other comics who were there who were professional comics came up to me afterwards and said, hey, that was a really good set. That was funny. Now, afterwards, Drew and I debriefed, and he pointed out I was a little bit too much like a speaker telling a story and not really punched up like a comic, but that he thought it was a really good first attempt. And when we parted ways that night, he said, hey, I encourage you to go do it again. I think, you could, I think you could improve it. I encourage you to go to another open mic night. So I stewed on that for about a week. And one of my friends saw that I had done this. And she herself used to do stand-up comedy, but it has been over a decade since she's gone to an open mic night. And she was going to be in Austin a few weeks after that. And she said, Tom, I'm really impressed that you went and did this thing and that you tried it. That's so cool. I'm ready to get back up on the stage. Will you go with me? Well, I want to be a good supportive friend. And there was a part of me that wanted to do it again. So I went on the internet and I looked up an open mic night in Austin. And there were several. We found one that worked for the night she was free on her visit to my town. And we went. Now, here's the deal. It wasn't the same situation. This wasn't a comedy club in a basement with a bunch of supportive people who were part of a community. This was... This was kind of a free-for-all. It was in a coffee house. The two guys who were hosting it, I don't know, they weren't really friendly to strangers. They kind of hung out with their friends. But we signed up. We got on the list. But they didn't know who we are. So we were at the end of the night. And 
a lot of the people who got up weren't funny. And it was a bunch of young people who were, you know, just telling dick jokes. And it was like, I don't know, it wasn't a great experience, but my time came to get up on the stage. And this time I only had three minutes and I delivered my short set. And again, some people laughed. And even though the evening itself was kind of a bad experience because of the way the, the open mic night was set up, for myself, I was really kind of proud of myself that I did it again. And I realized that I, if I was going to make this set work, I was going to have to tweak it. And I also realized that I teach people all the time, if you want to be a better public speaker, if you want to be better at presenting at a corporate event, you can't do it just once. It's a learned skill. You have to do it a whole bunch of times before you're going to see how good you can actually get. And I realized the same thing was true, in fact, more so true than comedy. Because the great comics who we've all watched, the Chris Rock, the Robin Williams, uh, the George Carlins, and so many others, they didn't get up on stage and wing it. Now, I will tell you, they often made it look like they were winging it. They would stand there and pause, kind of look at the sky like they were thinking for inspiration, and then they'd pull out one of those lines that would be side-splitting funny. But they hadn't just done that. They had worked on it. They had gone to open mic nights over and over, and they tried the joke with longer pauses and shorter pauses, with an accent, whatever it took. And I realized that if I wanted to make this little set better, I was going to have to go and try it, I don't know, maybe 25 or 50 times before I could put this to bed and say my little experience with doing stand-up really had reached everything it could. And I really knew it wasn't like I wanted to be a headliner. I didn't think that anyone was going to book me to go do comedy, and I certainly know that telling sort of punchline jokes isn't the thing I should be doing on stage in my career. But even after those two times, I realized I was on to something. A lot of speakers, a lot of professional speakers go and take improv classes, and I've done this as well. And the thing is, is that when you do improv, it helps you learn to think on your feet. It really does. However, you're not alone. And when you're on stage as a comic, you're up there, you live and die all by yourself. There's no one else who can save you. You can't call scene. You just got to keep going until you get through that set. So I decided because I travel a lot, I wanted to do this a few more times. What I was going to do is I was going to look for open mic nights when I was on the road. And that's what I did. And I actually had a trip to San Diego where I had a couple of free nights. And so I signed up for open mic night at a comedy club, which was kind of a big deal comedy club. This wasn't a small club in a basement. This wasn't a coffee house. This was legit one of San Diego's big comedy clubs. And online, they allowed you to sign up in advance. You didn't have to show up and put your name on a list. You signed up and then they would draw your name. And if you made the list, you showed up that night of the week. So on a Sunday night, I emailed, and I thought it was going to be hard to get on the list, so I emailed them a couple of nights, hoping I would get one of them. Well, I ended up getting three, and so it was kind of like, whoa, really didn't expect that. However, I had nothing else to do while I was in San Diego, and it was early enough in the night that I'd still be in bed by midnight, so I thought, you know what? I'm just going to push myself. I'm going to go by myself, no friend to support me this time, and I'm going to try out this set and see what I can do with it. And so that's what I did the last couple of nights. And I will tell you, it has actually been kind of interesting because I showed up and I didn't know anybody. 
And yet this one was very well run. They had a plan of how it worked. I introduced myself to the person at the door. He introduced me to the host of the thing. I'd let him know I've only done this a couple of times. He told me when and where to be. I went down and I sat in the pit because one of the things I found was a lot of these open mic nights, the comics come in and they all stand in the bar together and they drink and when it's their turn, they run up, they do the stage, they do their bit, but they don't really pay attention to anyone else. Well, I'm still trying to learn. So I wanted to really sit there and listen to everyone throughout the whole couple of hours of this open mic night. Now, in all three cities, what I discovered was a lot of people aren't that good at an open mic night. It's not like paying 50 bucks to go to a headliner comedy show. Even though a lot of these people are great comics who are seasoned, who've traveled, they're at open mic night because they're trying new things. They're doing what those great comics did. They're getting their stage time. They're figuring out how the same joke is going to land. So they'll go night after night after night and they'll tell the same joke just to see which way they tell it is going to make it land perfectly with the audience so they can get that desired laugh. So it was my turn to go up. I did my set. Now the problem was a lot of the audience was in the bar and had dwindled out because I was late on the list. There wasn't a lot of people listening and in there. So I didn't get a lot of laughs because I didn't have a big audience. But afterwards, a couple of the comics, much younger than me, pulled me aside and said, you said you were new to this. Wow, you know, you've got a good stage presence. I had to admit to him that, yeah, so I actually am a professional master of ceremonies. This is what I do is stand on stages. Now, they agreed I didn't have the timing or the delivery of a stand-up comic yet, but they thought that I had written some kind of funny material. Now, the second night that I went back to this club in San Diego, I realized that people smiled at me and nodded kind of said, good job last night. But the other thing I decided I was going to do was I wasn't going to deliver the same exact set that I had done the night before and done in the two other clubs. It was time I came up with some new material. And so before I went, I actually sat down for about an hour and I wrote out some new storylines and I tried to punch them up. And I don't know, it was hard for me to get to the point where I could have really good punchlines and really good callbacks, but I had some funny things. And again, that second night in San Diego, the audience wasn't really big, but I did it and I actually got some laughs. And one of the comics told me, that's a better bit than you did the night before. So work on that one for when you come back on Friday night. So that was kind of you know fascinating to me that in this room where I'm from out of town, these people came up and talked to me and gave me advice and told me how to punch it up. There was a sense of community amongst these people. And the fact that I had come once, they were supportive. But when I showed up again, you know, they were willing to nod and, and, and let me be part of that. Now, it doesn't mean they were hanging out drinking with me, but, you know, it was it was cool. On the last night, the comic who followed me actually did a callback to my set, which to me was pretty cool. It meant he was paying attention and he thought something was funny that he could build on and, and he did get a good laugh. The interesting thing was, is that he started off by saying that old guy who was on stage before me. Yeah, that's when it dawned on me that I was the old guy. In every single one of these comedy clubs, there was only one person I encountered who was older than I was, and he said his age in, the, in his bit, and he was only four years older than I was. So I realized something else about comedy. Standing up there, putting yourself out there, it's a young man's game. I don't know where all the 50-year-olds were. Maybe if you're in stand-up, there comes a point where you realize, I'm not going to make it, and you go away. Maybe they go to a different club. But I did learn that I'm the old guy in the room. But it really didn't bother me. I kind of thought it was funny because I've really come to accept that 
I am the old guy in the room with a lot of people. And I made that pledge, which I've talked about here on this podcast before, that between age 50 and age 75, I'm going to have the best time of my life. And that's one of the reasons I'm saying yes to doing these things that maybe I haven't done before. Things that would be fun, but maybe I didn't think were my style or things where fear had held me back, where I was worried about what other people might say, or I was scared that I could fail or bomb or people would roll their eyes at me. You know what? The great thing about being the old guy in the room, you don't care anymore. You don't care all that much anyway. And so that was an interesting thing to realize that if I'm going to continue to visit open mic nights once in a while, I'm going to continue to be that old guy in the room. And maybe I should just play with that as part of what I talk about because it's relatable. They look at me and they think, hey, my dad is trying stand up, but it's okay. So what did I learn? What did I learn from my attempt at at this very, very uh, popular but scary medium of doing stand up? Well, I don't really know what I've learned yet. It's not like when I wrote the one man show where I have a whole new brand new product out of it that I can use in my work. And part of that is I've only been doing this for a few weeks. It's going to take me a long time. So I've made the commitment that over the next few years, it's going to take a while. I'm going to try to visit 50 open mic nights. Now, if I really get through that, if I really can live up to that and go to 50 open mic nights, that might take me three years. I am confident that by putting myself out there, by taking a risk, by doing something totally new, I am confident that I'm going to discover something. And that's one of the first lessons that I want to share with you is by trying new things, you don't know what the payoff is going to be. But I know for sure that 100% of the people who do not try don't open new doors and find have new experiences. So I think we have to. I think I'm trying to encourage everybody. I'm sharing this story on the podcast because I'm trying to encourage everybody to go try something. You might not have any desire whatsoever to go do a five-minute open mic night set, but there's something you've always wanted to do. There's something you wanted to try when you were a kid. You wanted to try to sing in church or you wanted to jump out of an airplane. I don't know what it is, but there's something that you've wanted to do and you've just held yourself back. Well, I'm gonna tell you, I spent 25 years or maybe more wishing I could go do an open mic night, wishing I could get a laugh from an audience like that in a comedy club, and you know what? It wasn't that scary. So my recommendation about the comedy side is if you wanna do it, my first piece of advice is start attending open mic nights. They're usually free or they're like $10. Now, sometimes they're late at night, And sometimes they're very painful. I mean, the one I sat through in Austin, the jokes weren't funny. And there were like 40 comics doing three minute sets. It went on and on. And one person after another wasn't that funny. But you still can learn by watching them trying. And you realize that some of these people are really funny. They're just working out their stuff. Be willing to sit there for a couple of hours and not have to be totally entertained by every joke. It doesn't have to be side-splitting. But by sitting there and watching, you'll realize people bomb and nobody throws anything at them. Nobody tells them to get the heck out. And nobody, not even the professional comics when they bomb, stands there and says, I'm quitting, I'm done with comedy. Because they know that that's part of it. And I think that's part of it for everybody who has a business. No matter what your business is, you're going to have a time where you bomb. You're going to have a product or a service that's not going to work the way you want it to work. That's part of this. So I think there's a whole parallel between stand-up 
and business that we have to pay attention to. You know, I already talked about the fact that the comics go and get stage time. I don't care what you do. It takes that repetitive hours. It's that 10,000 hour theories that Malcolm, 10,000 hour theory that Malcolm Gladwell talked about. That if you, if you don't go and, and work on your craft, whether you're an accountant, whether you're an architect, if you're not working on it and fine tuning it and trying new things and pushing that envelope, you're never going to be able to excel to that next level. Another thing that I learned, stand-up comedy is hard. It might be one of the hardest things I've ever tried. Now, I did some acting when I was a kid. I've done improv. I've tried to sing, although I have the worst voice in the world. So good thing that's not something I want to try because the audience's ears might bleed. But the fact is, is that this is a hard thing to do. To stand up there for five minutes and go from you know piece to piece through your bit when no one's laughing or when it's an audience of six people, it's hard and it's lonely and it's just you and the microphone. But things that are hard are what make us better. We learn from trying these things that push us, that get us out of our comfort zone. So I think the thing to remember is if you want to try the comedy thing, and I'm not saying you have to go do open mic night, I'm saying you have to go do something. But if you want to do the open mic night, remember that your mileage will vary because one comedy club to another is going to be different in how they host their open mic nights. Uh, sometimes it's going to be in a bar or a coffee house. A lot of it's going to depend on how is the, the organization that's hosting it, whether it's a club or a restaurant or a bar, how committed are they to the community of the comics who are there? And then how are the comics who are there? Are they open and welcome to new people? And are they encouraging? When they announced last night when I was there that one of the people, it was their first time ever to do stand-up, everyone applauded. The guy bombed. There was not a single chuckle in the whole room. And I wanted to laugh for him because I had just been there. I had just done that first one and I got some laughs and I knew it mattered, but it wasn't funny. But at the end, everybody rigorously applauded for him. Even though it was a small audience, all the comics in the room applauded him. So there is a sense at many of these places of community and of support and of people who are excited that you've come to try their craft. So you don't have to be perfect or even good to try new things. And I think that's a lesson that we have to remember in our businesses. You're not going to be great at whatever you do. You're not going to be successful at whatever you do right away. This podcast is a perfect example. I've been doing it for three and a half years. Some of you might think it's not good now, but go back and listen to the early episodes. And I will promise you that episodes one through 50 were not nearly as good as 50 through 150. And somewhere along the line, when I hit 300, people started telling me, hey, this is getting good. You're starting to be a good interviewer. And I've taken these interview school skills from talking to people on this podcast, and I've taken it into my job. When I serve as the master of ceremonies, one of the things I do is I will interview the keynoters right there on stage after their keynote. Or I do a thing called the conference talk show where myself and my friend Elias Green, we host sort of a broadcast talk show when an association is simulcasting their conference because when you simulcast your conference and you go to coffee break, nobody wants to sit and watch 30 minutes of a coffee break. So we jump in in front of the camera and we interview the keynote speakers. We interview people from the companies and the associations. And people always tell me, hey, you're really good at interviewing. Well, if it wasn't for this podcast, I would never be able to just stand there and ask questions and think on my feet and be an active part of an engaging interview. So it came from experience. So remember, whatever it is that you're doing, you don't have to be good. And I think the final lesson was how those young comics came up to me and gave me tips 
after my set telling me what they liked about it and they knew I was new and what they thought I needed to work on. One guy, his name was Clint, he pulled me aside and said, can I tell you what I liked about that? And he told me what I liked and he was about 35 years old. He told me what he liked, but then he talked to me about my timing and how I was stepping on the jokes. And he walked me through one of the jokes that I had, how I did it, but I did it too fast. And I never changed sort of my energy level of my voice. And he said, if you did it like this, bop, 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 pause. Then deliver the next line and then pause and then come back strong with that punchline. You'll get a bigger laugh. So that's what I'm gonna do next time. But his doing, he didn't know who I was. I'm almost old enough to be his dad, I'm not quite. But he pulled me aside and just shared a little tip, a little thing he thought I could help with. The fact that he did that showed that there's community everywhere. And that's how we get ahead. That's how we get better. We need guides. We need people who will take that time just to say, here's a little tweak, no matter what we do for a living. And I didn't expect that at an open mic night. And shame on me for not expecting that because I know that community is everywhere. So yeah, trying new things is going to be scary, but the second, third, and fourth time you do it, it's not as scary. And I'm pretty sure that by the time I get to my 50th time, I'm not going to be that scared. And I think I'm going to be more confident and I'm positive. I'm going to have learned something that's going to be helpful for me along the road. So that's me sharing my experience at open mic night. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Before we go, let me thank the sponsor of this episode because I couldn't do this show if it wasn't for Podfly Productions. Jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show for those of you who want to start your own podcast. And I know that some of you do because you tell me that you do. And Podfly tells me you call them. So jump over to podfly.net dot net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have. They give a discount to people who cite that they listen to this show. And I'll promise you, you will have a great experience if you choose to work with them because they're the best vendor I've ever worked with in my career. And I'm the old guy. Remember, my career has been a long time. So check out Podfly. Hey, this has been kind of a fun thing to share. I hope you've listened to the end. If you did listen this far, send me a tweet at Tom Singer or at Cool Podcast. Uh, you can follow us on, on Facebook at Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. But the best thing you could do if you like this show is you could go over to iTunes and leave a review because that really does help the show if you subscribe to it. And if you leave positive reviews, it helps other people find the show. But the best way people find this show is if you talk about it on social media or you tell your friends at a dinner party, and I would really appreciate that. It would make my whole day better. Just let me know you did it, and uh, I'll smile really big, and I'll dedicate that smile to you. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I'm going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody really cool. But in the meantime, I challenge you, go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.